My name is Herman Chambers, and this is my story. I was at an event in LA with some of my friends, and well, while at the event, I was having this uh, extreme need for water. At first, I was very thirsty and was experiencing a lot of excessive sweating. It was just a feeling of something is going on with you and you need to find out what before it reaches to a point um, of something terrible. And sure enough, later on that night, these feelings, these symptoms got even worse. My friends were able to take me to the hospital to see what was going on with me. And I thought I was gonna check in and leave, but they ended up telling me that I was gonna end up, they were, they were gonna end up keeping me. And I didn't understand why until the point that they gave the news that I had a blood sugar of 435. And at that time, I was overweight at 320 pounds, and, and the doctors had diagnosed me with type 2 diabetes. And that news basically broke me down. I was lying in the hospital bed, and I cried out to God to give me another chance at life. Hi, my name is Jonathan Padilla, and this is my story. Uh, it actually began when I was six years old, and my parents passed away. Uh, it was a murder-suicide or homicide-suicide. My parent, my dad killed my mom and, and killed himself, and uh, that's where my story kind of started and shifted. So my sister, my eldest sister, took care of me from there and there and out, and she pretty much raised me, and after that, uh, fast forward 11 years, uh, during that whole time, I was really, I felt a lot of pain in my heart. Um, just, I didn't realize how much it affected me. And I just kept seeking help. I would tell my story to, to friends, but nobody really could give me the answer that I was looking for. So I, um, that 11 year span of things until I was 15, I moved out to Marietta from Orange County and, and you know, I kind of I missed a lot of bullets there. There was a lot of friends that I had that were in gangs and were in and out of jail and uh, me looking back and really see that that could have been me. Some of them are not even living anymore and so um, moved out here and uh, my friend from school's mom would, would always take us home, give me a ride home, so she basically would tell me about Jesus and, um, you know, do I know that what he's done for me and um, do I know him? And I kind of shied away from it because my view of uh, Christianity was religious and just a bunch of do's and don'ts and I didn't want that in my life. Hi, my name is Linda Harris and this is my story. I grew up in a very dysfunctional family. My parents were divorced when I was a very small child. My mother remarried and the man she married, they got involved with drugs. They started out with marijuana, graduated up to various pills and got addicted to heroin. When I was 10 years old, my mother was murdered. She was strangled because of heroin. I think she owed somebody money and she didn't pay them so she was she was murdered. I was sent to live with my dad, who at that time I really didn't even know because he really hadn't been in my life. Within months of my mother being murdered and 
moving in with my dad, he began to molest me. I do remember as a child praying because I had gone to church. My mother did make sure that we would go to church and we would pray. I remember praying and somewhere around the time when I was a teenager, I was in 10th grade, I remember sitting in church and at that point thinking, there's no God because if there was a God, why is it that my mother was murdered, my father's molesting me, my life is in shambles, I feel unloved, unworthy, unwanted, and I just totally turned my back and walked away. It's not that I didn't believe in God, I just didn't believe in God for me. I thought he was not there for me. Good morning. Welcome to Resurrection Sunday at the Bridge Church. So glad that you're here today. Over the last few minutes, you've heard three painful, tragic stories, true stories. Stories about people who are right here in this church. Stories that talk about indescribable pain hopelessness and despair. You've heard those stories. A young man facing death because of diabetes, crying out to God for one more chance at life. Another young man tormented by the murder and suicide of his parents, running down the wrong path, crying out, trying to find someone who can help him make sense of his life and what it's all about. Then a young woman tormented by the murder of her mother and the abuse of her father. Young woman feeling unworthy, unloved, and unwanted, believing in God but crying out, saying, God, why aren't you there for me? Stories. The interesting thing about stories is that everybody has a story. Some are adventurous. Some are fun, some are boring, some are painful, some scream to be heard, others hide in the shadows and in the dark, hoping no one will ever know. But everybody in this building today has a story. Perhaps one of the stories you've heard today sounds a lot like your story. Or maybe you're sitting here wondering on Resurrection Sunday, on Easter Sunday, what does any of those stories have to do with me? What does it have to do with Easter? Over the next few minutes, I'm going to try and explain that to you. Because this morning, I want to share with you the importance of two events that we commemorate this weekend. Number one, the cross, the crucifixion of Jesus. And number two, the empty tomb, Jesus' resurrection from the dead. I want to talk about the cross and the empty tomb this morning. Because you see, the stories of the cross and the empty tomb cannot be separated. If you separate those two stories, you begin to lose their meaning. The cross without the empty tomb is just another cruel death. And the empty tomb without the cross is a miracle. 
but it's probably a meaningless miracle. First of all, let me talk to you for a couple of minutes about the cross. The cross is a story of death, a story of Roman crucifixion, and specifically today we speak of the crucifixion of Jesus. It was a horrible death. It was a painful death. It usually began with 30 lashes that would rip the flesh and the, and the muscle off the back of its victims. It continued as nails and feet were, na or hands and feet were nailed into a cross and a victim was raised up until he could no longer breathe and he would die of suffocation. Blood and life would slowly drain away. That's the death that Jesus died. The cross is a story of death. But before we talk about Jesus' death, can we take a minute and just talk a little bit about his purpose, his mission in coming to earth? We all know that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. He came to this earth, the very Son of God. He was God in human flesh, just like you and me. We know where he came from. We know who he was. But sometimes what we miss in the story of Jesus is we miss the fact that Jesus came to earth to show us what God was really like. From the fall of man until Jesus came, there were all kinds of religions and all kinds of ideas about God. There was even some scripture and commandments that God had given. But basically, man was so separated from God by his sin that man didn't understand God. And man was always trying to figure out, who is God? What is he up to? What does he want from me? Man did not know God. But Jesus came to earth and lived the life to show us what God was really like and what he was all about. And the other thing that I think is so important about Jesus is to understand that completely, honestly, Jesus came to earth to die. Jesus came to earth with the future of all mankind upon his shoulders. Their redemption, the price of their freedom, it was on the shoulders of Jesus, and Jesus was born to die. But I think this morning, the question that we ask is, why did Jesus have to die? Why did Jesus, the sinless, blameless Son of God, why did he die? Why? Take a moment talking about the life of Jesus. One day Jesus met a woman at the well. The story's told in John chapter 4. A Samaritan woman, the Jews didn't deal with the Samaritans and vice versa, but Jesus went out of his way to meet a woman at the well and started with the drink of water, started talking about living water, and the next thing you know, Jesus is changing her entire life. He's wiping away her past. He's giving her a brand new future. And when the story is over and she goes back to town and brings the whole village out to hear him, the disciples come to Jesus to bring him food, and Jesus said, I don't need that food because my food is to do the will of the Father who sent me and to finish his work. See, I think sometimes we fail to realize that Jesus came to earth with a mission. He came with a work upon his shoulders. And we find that Jesus lived a focused life. His focus was upon finishing what the Father had sent him to earth to accomplish. And for three years of ministry, day and night, every waking hour, every waking minute, every second that he was awake, he was out pursuing the Father's mission, finishing the work he was sent to do, changing the lives of people like the woman at the well.
But we also find in John chapter 17 that a few days before Jesus would go to the cross, he prayed a prayer for his followers, for his disciples. Not just in that day, but in this day. He prayed for you and me, those of us who follow Jesus. As a part of that prayer, he prayed to the Father and said, Father, I have done all I can do to glorify you. Now I'm going to lay down my life to finish this work. But he said, I have finished and I am finishing all that you sent me to do. We can talk about Jesus living a focused life. Jesus also died a focused death. I talked earlier about how horrible the crucifixion was. The beating upon his back. Many victims never survived that cat of nine tails on those 39 lashes. Many victims died right there at the whipping post. But Jesus survived. He carried his cross to Calvary. Then they led him out on that cross and they nailed his hands and his feet and lifted him up with that crown of thorns upon his head as his life's blood slowly dripped away. And as he suffered there and died, John, in his recording in the Gospels of the crucifixion, the last words that John recorded about the death of Jesus was Jesus said, it is finished. It's finished. What was finished? What was he talking about? He was talking about the redemptive work that he came to accomplish. He said to come and pay the price for fallen man, it's done. To take the punishment for the sins of mankind, it's done. To bring salvation to mankind, to bring man back into relationship with God, it is done. It is finished. The justice of God is satisfied. It's finished. Isaiah 53 verse 5 is a verse of, of scripture that's very familiar to us here at the bridge. Hundreds of years before Jesus was born, before he went to the cross, Isaiah was given a glimpse of that day from the Father. And Isaiah's prophecy said this, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement, the punishment for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. That scripture promises forgiveness for our rebellions. It promises wholeness for our fallen nature. It promises peace with God. It promises healing for our sick, broken bodies. I asked the question earlier, why did Jesus die upon that cross? The shortest answer is Jesus died for you and for me did it for us, that we might know God, that we might become his family. But then let's talk about the second event that I mentioned earlier, the empty tomb. When Jesus bowed his head and said, it's finished, he died, they took his body off that cross, and it's interesting that they put it in a borrowed tomb. How many understand why they use a borrowed tomb? They didn't need to purchase one because it was only for temporary use. They put his body in a borrowed tomb, and for three days and three nights, he was in the earth. But after three days and three nights, the earth began to shake. God himself sent messengers down to roll the stone away, and Jesus came to life and walked out of that grave, victorious over death, hell, and the grave forever and ever and ever. We know the story of the resurrection of Jesus. Let me ask the question, why? Why was Jesus raised from the dead? 
We already asked and answered the question, why did Jesus die on that cross? Why was Jesus raised from the dead? I know today a lot of you are going to have a lot of fun with your children. Our, our grandchild, our granddaughter, just a little over a year old, we're going to go out today and hide eggs with her and give her candy and do all kinds of stuff. But can I tell you today that that's not what this day is about? This day is about the resurrection of Jesus. What does it mean? What does it mean? Why was Jesus raised from the dead? Let me tell you what Scripture says. The resurrection of Jesus ensured that his life was perfect and his sacrifice was accepted by God. It promised that you and I could be forgiven and justified in the sight of God. You see, Jesus came, Scripture says, He was the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Before God ever started, He made plans for the future of His Son and for mankind. Jesus became the Lamb of God, slain from the foundation of the world. But what we have to understand is, as you look at the Old Testament types of Christ, there was the Lamb, and that Lamb had to be perfect. It had to be spotless. It could not have any blemishes whatsoever. And Jesus lived a sinless, spotless, blemishless life. And when he went to the cross and died, God accepted his sacrifice as the sinless, blameless Son of God. He was the Lamb. He was the Lamb. And what happened was, when God raised Jesus from the dead, God was making a statement saying, I accept this sacrifice for all of mankind. To everyone who will believe, their sins can be washed away, and it'll be just as if they've never sinned. The resurrection of Jesus brought the promise of resurrection into eternal life for all of us, for you and for me, because his life becomes our life. It gives us the promise that we know when this life is over and we take our last breath here, God has made plans for the future and he has eternity planned for his children because of an open tomb. And the resurrection of Jesus, listen closely, the resurrection of Jesus, God confirmed it is finished. God confirmed what Jesus said on that cross. It is finished. In the resurrection of Jesus, freedom to all who believe is established. Freedom to walk out from under the bondage, the sickness, the hurt, the pain of death and begin to walk in the fullness of the abundant life that Jesus promised to give us. In essence, through the open tomb, grace was freed to flood into every area of every one of our broken lives and to change everything forever. Why did Jesus go to the cross for you and me? Why was Jesus raised from the dead? For you and for me. This morning as we think about the cross, and as we think about the open tomb, it's as if the hand of God reaches to us through that open tomb and he promises everything that Jesus purchased on the cross is available to you today because of Jesus. Earlier, we heard three stories, three tragic, painful stories. 
As I said earlier, some of you are saying, well, man, what are these tragic stories? What do these have to do with Easter? What do they have to do with me? Can I just tell you this morning, because of the resurrection of Jesus, we know that a life story is never finished until all the work of the cross is accomplished in that life. A life story is never finished until God says it's finished. You may be seated in this room today. You may be watching online. You may think you're at the end of your road. You may think there is no way out. Maybe tragic circumstances have befallen you. Maybe it seems like death has been chasing you ever since you were born. Maybe it thinks, seems like everything has gone wrong and you have no future. Maybe you're broken today, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Maybe your heart's broken. Maybe you're sitting here today and you think, there's no reason for me to live. My life is over. Can I tell you today, life is not over until... God says it's finished. There's one more thing I want to share with you this morning. But before I share it, I want you to hear what can happen in hurting broken lives when God is allowed to have the final word. Watch this with me.
as I was in the hospital bed, I had cried out to God to give me another chance at life. And it was during that time that Pastor Gary was going through a series of living with a high hand. And the question was, what do you do once you reach the promised land? And the answer was, you simply keep going. I knew that I had the disease, but I wasn't going to let the disease have me. I knew that if God was going to step into my life, I needed to do my part as well. And it was through that, as I kept going back to the doctor, where they told me that I was no longer diabetic and I would no longer need the medication. And I knew that God had really stepped in and healed me in a way that I never thought was going to be possible. I ended up losing 120 pounds. Today, I'm a certified personal trainer, and I'm also an advocate of the American Diabetes Association to help others in regards to their situation and let them know that there is hope out there, that God is still able to step in if you allow him to. Today, I'm free of diabetes because God did a miracle in my life. I decided to call them and asked if they could take me to church, and they did. And when I went to church, uh, everybody was singing, the hands, everybody's hands were up, and uh, we get to a chorus part of the song, and I see the lyrics, and I said, I think I can sing that and mean it. And I was like, okay, I think I can raise my hands as well. And so I raised my hands, and as soon as I raised my hands, I just felt God all over me right there. I can just sense him, how real he was. And as I wanted just to weep, I had just this thought rolling around my head over and over again that said, this is what you've waited for. You've waited 15 years for this. And I didn't know that um, when I gave up my life in exchange, I, give, I get his life back, and which is so much more fulfilling than anything. I, he gave me a beautiful wife that I never thought in my dreams I would have. And brought me, gave me purpose in my life, uh, pursuing physical therapy, um, and I, I could have been a different person. I had the stats against me, and um, I, I could have been not a, in a good place, and I know that God just took all that brokenness in my life and just restored it and redeemed it and made it so much more uh, abundant and more than I could ever dream of. I stayed away from God for at least 30 years and walked into a church after my daughter had begged me to go. When I walked into this church, I sensed something very different. It was not something I had ever felt before. and it, I can't even describe it. I didn't even understand it at the time. During the time when they were doing worship, I found myself raising my hands and then I would pull them down really fast because I didn't understand why I even raised them to begin with whatever these people had, I wanted to get. And so I gave my life to Christ that day. And everything totally was transformed. He began to soften my heart and show me the anger and the unforgiveness I had in my heart because of what happened with my mom. And I realized that God really did love me and he really was there. He was there the whole time. I just was so hurt, and I had given up. And he had his arms open, and I realized at the time that when I had that feeling walking into that church, he was waiting for me to run to him. And 
I realized that there were probably people that have been praying for me for years. And so when you're in your darkest moment of despair and you feel like you can't go on and you feel like nobody loves you and you're unworthy and you're unclean and who would want you because of everything you've done, just know that there is a God and he is real and he's waiting for you. And all you have to do is take that step and walk to him and he will receive you. Could you be seated just one more time for a couple of minutes? I told you earlier that there's one more simple thought that I want to share. We've heard of what can happen when someone says, God, rewrite my story. We've heard what can happen when God has the last word and God says, now it's finished. This morning I want you to know that Today, 2,000 years after Jesus died and was raised from the dead, God is still reaching through that open tomb, touching hearts, touching lives, healing our pain, picking up our brokenness, and making something beautiful out of those broken lives. He's still doing it today. And this morning, I want to just stop for a moment, and I want you to... Just come face to face with the reality, who God is and what God is. 
Maybe you've had a lot of misconceptions about God. Maybe you've been told a lot of things. Maybe you thought a lot of things. Maybe you saw something in people's lives that you didn't like who claimed to know God. I don't know. People make mistakes. But I know one thing. God's a good God. And his intentions for you, his plans for you are better than any plans you could ever make for yourself. Maybe you came to this place today. Maybe you're hurting. Maybe you are broken. You may think, I'm the only one in the world who's ever hurt this badly. But you've heard three stories today that might very well be worse than yours. And you heard what God can do when he gets the final word. The verse of Scripture in Philippians chapter 1, Paul wrote these words. He said, I'm confident, I'm confident of this very thing, that God who has begun a good work in you, he's going to finish what he starts. You know what that verse promises? It promises if I'll come to God and lay down my life and pick up his life, that he'll wipe away my past. He'll forgive all my sin. He'll set me in right relationship with him. I don't have to do anything except, except the gift that he's given to me, his grace. And by faith, believe in him. And if I'll do that, he'll begin to pour everything that Jesus paid for on the cross, he'll begin to pour it into my life what stands between you and God today is it sin is, is it rebellion some things you've never been able to forgive yourself for well, that was that was covered at the cross maybe it's guilt maybe it's shame maybe it's regrets that was taken care of at the open tomb and I believe today in this building, God is reaching from the cross through that open tomb, and he's knocking on the door of our hearts, saying, I'm here to help. I'm here to save you. I'm here to give you life eternal, but from here to there, I'm going to be there to meet your needs. I'm here to heal you and to make you whole. God rolled away the tomb. But maybe today we need to roll away a stone that's covering our hearts. You say, well, I don't want religion. I don't either. I don't either. But I'd love for you to know God as I know him and let God do in your life what he's done in my life, what he's done in these lives today. But the truth is God needs our permission. And when we open our hearts to God and roll that stone out of the way and say, God, I need you. It's so all we have to say, God, I need you and I want you. God begins to flood into our hearts and our lives and he begins to change everything. He begins to do God-like amazing miracles one at a time if we'll just trust him and let him work. And the way this whole thing begins is with an honest, simple prayer. I'm going to pray a prayer this morning and I'm going to ask everybody in this building to pray this prayer with me. If you're watching online, I'm going to ask you to pray it with me. And just open your heart to God and just declare, God, I want you and I need you in my life. I need your help. Maybe it's big, maybe it's little. It doesn't matter to God. He's there for all of it. So I'm going to ask everybody here, pray this prayer right out loud with me right now. Bow your heads, close your eyes. Let's pray. Say, God, I need you. And I want you in every area of my life. So I open my heart to you. I believe Jesus is the Son of God who died for my sins, and you raised him from the dead. I accept Jesus 
as my Savior. And I choose Jesus to become the Lord of my life. From this moment forward, everything is different because I receive you today. And from this moment forward, you are my Father and I'm your child. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for receiving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Heads are still bowed for one more moment, please. I want to pray one more prayer for people all over this room. Maybe you've put your faith in God, but maybe you're wrestling some things today that are a lot bigger than you. Maybe you've got some giants in your life. I want to encourage you right now, surrender those things to God and let Him begin to work as I pray. Father, all over this room, from the front of the building to the very top of the upper seats, from the left to the right, I ask you right now to allow the Holy Spirit to begin to work in new ways in people's lives. Father, there may even be some people here who are carrying things they should have laid down a long time ago, but right now, in desperation, we look to you and we say, God, I want you and God, I need you. Father, I'm asking you to flood into people's lives right now through that open tomb and God rescue us right where we are. There are people who need emotional healing, mental healing, physical healing, spiritual healing. There are people who need to forgive and forget and let things be under the blood of Jesus. There are people who need to have understanding as to what and why things have happened as they have. But God, right now we surrender it all to you. And Father, I'm asking you for miracles. Father, there are people in this place today, they've got situations this week that there's no way out. We ask you to rush in, flood in, and make a way where there seems to be no way. And we'll give you all the credit, the praise, and the glory in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Are you glad you've been in God's house on Resurrection Sunday? If so, give God praise right now. Would you do that?